Hello, hello, and welcome. This is Post Hump Day Podcast. I'm Tommy DeSalt. I'm Kellen King. Was that a little bit more uh, cut and dry for I you? I you were going to actually yodel. I know. See, last Hate time I brought rest. us in, I was accused of uh, of the, the yodel. Yodel. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I just, I like the flair you add to it. I just had to yeah, point yeah, it out. Yeah, 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 That one was real. Okay. That was good. I would just say that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in a different mindset yeah, today, you're right. Kellen. We got to be in a better mindset uh, or a different mindset. You're right. Yeah. I wouldn't say better. I don't yeah, think we're ever I switched. bad. Um, but yeah, we have a guest, special guest episode today. Um, Nikki, the death doula. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to say, is this topic is, I know a lot of people have been intrigued um, yeah. when they heard we were having uh, our guest on the show today. The thing is, is like, death can be scary. Yeah. It can be super overwhelming. And it's something a lot of people don't like to talk about. Yeah. Death and taxes. Yeah. It affects everyone. And the thing is, is and I'm going to talk to her about it too. I think it's more of like a biological thing, but a lot of people don't think about death or don't. First of all, let me just back up. Uh, this episode is going to be very kind of heavy. And I mean, we're, we'll, we'll joke around here and there, you know, and try to lighten the mood a little bit, but just give some trigger warnings. Uh, we're going to talk about death a lot in this episode, obviously with, you know, Nikki. Um, so if that's not your jam, that's okay. You know, I would just possibly skip this episode. Yeah. But if you're if you're curious, which I think a lot of us are, uh, I would I would you know stick around. Uh, what I was gonna say is is a lot of I think we are like pre engineered to not think about death. It's like a survival thing. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of people when they uh, when they think about it, it just is in the back. It's it's in the back of your mind, but you don't. It's not usually at the forefront. But when it is, then it can be uh, anxiety inducing. Does yeah. That make sense? Yeah. No. Exactly. And I mean that. Um, yeah, and, and life will throw some crazy stuff at you, um, and in certain circumstances, you can't help but not think about death, uh, depending right. on what you're going through or, or close loved ones. Um, so uh, we certainly, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, with Nikki. I was uh, fortunate enough to go on her podcast recently, um, which aired a couple weeks ago, and really dive into kind of my story and my uh, side of that. So I'm really looking forward to today hearing more from her yeah. on just the, you know, overview of her day to day and so forth. So um, I want to ask y'all uh, before we, we're going to, we're going to phone a friend and we're going to get her, get her on the podcast here mm -hmm. uh, live. I just wanted to ask y'all uh, B you're included is um, really like, is death something that scares you? Are you afraid of death? You want to go first? Sure. Um, I used to be, but I took a class in college that was called Death and Dying because mm. I wanted to work in the hospital. And I feel like it, this is kind of a weird way to say it, but it like humanized it. Mm. And it's just like everybody's going to die. So. Yeah, it's just almost even dehumanizes it where it's just part of like a, it's just another thing. It's part of the sense. process. Yeah. 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 I, either way, either yeah. way, you could say humanize, dehumanize. Uh, for me, I I'm not gonna lie. I'm still, you know, I'm one of those that uh, I have uh, anxiety attacks and panic attacks. And uh, the first one I ever had, I thought I was like, you know, gonna die. And uh, after that, I started. What would happen is, um, 
I would, I, my brain was almost in a fog where I would think I was going to have another one. Mm-hmm. It's like a vicious cycle. Yeah. And so for a really long time, like that feeling and, and knowing what that felt like, uh, did make me scared of death. If that makes sense. Yeah. It makes now, sense. I have, uh, kind of come around to it, you know, and like, you know, luckily through therapy and some other things, like I've been able to, uh, you know, not, not see it in that light as much, right, but, uh, right. But yeah, I, I would still say like I'm probably if we're going on a, a meter, I'm probably at fifty percent. Okay. You know, it's like a flip of the coin if I'm gonna be scared or not yeah. in that moment. What about you? Um I I really am not. Um I tell you but but also I've kind of had an un- unorthodox relationship right with that. Um what scares me more is um I would say the leaving behind aspect of family members and friends. Like if I were to die, like just like that side of it is like, you know, obviously something that I think about. Um, But I would say living a miserable life scares me more than death itself. Sure. But that's through a lot of work and perspective um, to get here. So, and and alongside of um, this comes, you know, dealing with death, while we are still here and mm-hmm. the grieving process. Um, so that's something that she, uh, she has a lot of experience uh, working with. Yeah. And that's why I'm excited to talk to her. Um, I've, you know, she, uh, she's a doula and we kind of talked off air about what, you know, what that represents or what that, what her title, uh, you know, allows her to do. And, but I'm excited to give her a call and just kind of figure it out. So uh, let's just do yeah, it. Let's dive I'll tell in. you what, let's just give her a call. Um, again, this is Nikki, the death doula. Hello. Hi, Nikki. Hey. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. I've, uh, got Kellen sitting here with me and, uh, we are live. And, awesome. Uh, hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Doing well. We're really excited to talk to you. Oh, well, shucks. <laughs> I'll try not to disappoint. <laughs> no, we're looking forward to it uh, 100%. Yeah. And um, awesome. kind of was given a little bit of an intro, but um, just right off the bat, we'd love to hear kind of uh, where you come from, some of your roots, and uh, what, what you're up to today. Sure. All right. Well, um, so I live in Columbus, Ohio. I've lived here my whole life. Um, you know, grew up your stereotypical suburban life <laughs> um, in the 80s. So, uh, yeah, but uh, I spent, gosh, pretty much my entire adult life doing what most people my age have done, which is the corporate America lifestyle, where you just work your way up the ladder, which I never made it past like the second rung mm. <laughs> any one job. Um, I've always been one of those people that just kind of goes where the wind blows me. So, um, just, you know, job hop, like one job to the next, to the next. And, uh, throughout, you know, all that time I was very active with theater. I have a big background in theater. It's what I went to school for. Um, it's where I met my husband and, uh, you know, I was very passionate about that for a long time, but like, I don't know, in the background, I've always had kind of like a thing nagging me that I need to be doing something more important with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID happened, theater stopped, and uh, 
I was stuck at home all day and had a lot like everybody, you know, in the world during that time. I had a whole lot of time to kind of reflect on me, my life, what I, where I've been, where I'm going. And I also hit the mid forties part of my life and Mm -hmm. just thought, you know what, I, I mean, call it a midlife crisis, but I want to shake things up a little bit. So I chatted with, yeah, I chatted with a life coach for a while and we just kind of explored like what's important to me, what are my values and what's, you know, what I'm passionate about. And I've just kind of always had this thing in the back of my brain that I'm I like helping people I've always liked helping people I've done a lot of volunteer work but I've always had this need to work with the dying mm-hmm. uh, I had volunteered here and there at hospices but years back probably a decade or so ago I had heard about death doulas and I thought man that's a really cool thing like how cool would that be right but you know uh, that's like a whole thing you know I'm never going to do that and then you know all this happened I thought well why not do that if it's what I am passionate about and it sounds great. So I took a, a, you know, long training course online with a bunch of other people and got, you know, got my certificate from that and opened up my own practice a few months later. And here I am. Wow. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So real quick, um, I just wanted to know, what do you do on a, like a daily, for example, I know of a a doula, but I don't know of all what you're capable of doing or, or what you do for the family or for the, the one that's going through the process? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so in the term doula, just, you know, to throw some knowledge at you guys, mm-hmm. uh, it's an ancient Greek word that means female servant. And doulas have been around for millennia, as you guys know, mostly people have heard of birth doulas, right? And right. that's just yes. somebody who assists in labor, but they don't, they're not nurses, they're not doctors, they're just there to kind of provide support, emotional, spiritual, you know, whatever for the mom and the baby and help her through that process of bringing new life into the world. So our model is pretty much the same thing, just at the other end of life. So we'll work with the dying person and kind of help usher them back out of this world again. And that can be, I mean, this can look a million different ways. Sure. A lot of times it's just a matter of helping the family process their grief and the dying person, especially right. if there's a terminal diagnosis involved it's like that shakes everything up. You're like, Oh shit, this is it. Like mm-hmm. everything I've known my whole life is, is ending now. What do I do? And just helping them process the emotional side of that is huge. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And things like, and if you've never been through the process of somebody around you dying, there's a lot to it. It's not as mm-hmm. simple <laughs> as you would think, Right. especially if hospice is involved. So and a lot of times you don't get a good explanation as to, well, here's what's going to happen. Here's what hospice will do. Here's what we won't do. They just, you hire hospice, they show up, they give you some meds and they leave. <laughs> That's kind of it. Yeah. So just and, having another person to be there and fill in those gaps and explain what's happening and kind of hold your hand through the process is huge. Yeah. And that's one thing that I, I, I'm glad you brought up is because um, from talking to you a little bit previously, is the the terminal illness side of that versus the sudden death um, grief, um, and so I, I I think primarily uh, a lot of the people you work with um, are are in that situation where things don't look good um, and they yeah. kn- they know it's coming. Um, yeah. So, do you find? I mean, I, I would have to imagine 
in that role, it's like you wear a lot of different hats for the family. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, being familiar with, you know, the planning stages all the way to day to day dealing with, you know, the, the hospice care, dealing with all the different, you know, uh, members of all different, uh, you know, organizations. <laughs> uh, I'm sure, oh, yeah. I'm sure it's a lot to, to take on. It really can be, but like I said, it's such a, a valuable piece because you, a lot of times when somebody's dying, they may have a, a spouse or a child or a significant other, somebody in their life who will kind of be their caretaker, but that's not always the case. Or even if they do, that's a lot for one person to take on while they are watching somebody they love die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to try to manage all of this crap um, while you are suffering your own grief because you're watching somebody die. <laughs> right. That's hard. It's, 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 I mean, I think we can all agree that's a horrible thing to have to witness. So yeah. just having somebody else there to kind of hold your hand and guide you through the processes can be really big. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's huge. And I've talked to several people um that have been through the process without a doula. Um, and I, most of the time, if they were like the primary caretaker, they mm-hmm. aren't grieving at all or going through the process because they're yep. so concerned with taking care of all the day-to-day tasks. And exactly. then it's not until sometimes years later that it, it, yeah. it, yeah, it hits, them. hits them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you also think about like you're you're working on okay, are they taking their meds at the right time? Is their bed right? Are they getting what they want? Mm-hmm. That you know you're not you're not getting a chance to be that person's daughter, husband, cousin, friend, whatever. And you know, with somebody like me that can take that off your hands, then you can just be there to be the daughter, or mm-hmm. be the husband, or be you know the spouse, whatever. Right. Yeah. No. Definitely. I mean, that's that's powerful in of itself, uh, to allow them to, to, to be in that role throughout that yeah, process. Absolutely. Let me ask you this question. Um, so someone who is terminal, someone who's, you know, kind of having their, you know, the last couple months or however long, um, and they are struggling like right before you came on, we were talking about how we felt with death and now we're scared of it. Mm-hmm. And I said, you yeah. know, it's a coin flip for me. You know, sometimes I'm, I am scared. I, I do have like, you know, panic attacks uh, and anxiety yeah. and I, that then it goes off the roof, you know, uh, other mm-hmm. times, you know, I'm okay. Uh, and so yeah. how do you walk through with somebody like that or somebody who is, you know, very nervous, very anxious about that process? So I will, there's, there's a lot of different things I can sure. do. Most of the time I just try, try to get them to talk about it. Like mm-hmm. what is it that's scaring you right now in this moment? Is it the, are you worried about the pain? Are you worried about things you're leaving behind? Are you worried about, you know, your family members seeing this? Are you worried about the indignities of what's going to happen with your body? Cause death is icky and gross yeah. things happen. Sure. You know, what is it that's scaring you in this moment? Is it the, the infiniteness of it, the unknown? Um, and then once I kind of can pinpoint what is it, what it is that's really hitting that trigger at that moment, we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's, like say they're scared of, well, I don't know what happens when I die. None of us do. Right. Okay. Well, what do you think happens? What would be your ideal situation? Let's talk about that. Let's explore that a little bit. And I can do like some creative visualization or meditations with them to just get them to really get their whole spirit, their, you know, their, their mind, their thought, their speech, their smell, everything. And Mm -hmm. just 
kind of get them engrossed in a perfect situation to kind of take the sting off of it. It uh, reminds me, and I know that we're not talking therapy. It reminds me of EMDR a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's that's what I, I I've been through that. Um, what is that for people who I don't know what that is? It's uh, uh, EMDR. Oh, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, you take it away. You're probably way more qualified. <laughs> it's uh, it's eye movement dis uh, eye movement desensitization. Desens- oh my gosh, desensitization. Sorry for putting you all in the <laughs> Rehabilitation. Spot. Am I getting that right? You got it. You got it. That's great. Okay. Um, it's where you can um, trigger your brain with eye movements to uh, associate certain good feelings with eye, different eye movements. Okay. So when you start having panic attacks, you can do those eye movements. Or sometimes you can do like finger tapping or some type of movement um, to associate with better things. So when you're having a panic attack, you're, sure. you're like in a real, oh crap state. You can just do that thing to bring it down a little bit. Gotcha. I understand that now. See, yeah. and I, when, when I do have them, I will not, I, I didn't know about that, but you know, I would do, I will do random chores or, you know, I'd you know, wash the dishes or do laundry. Yeah, that that sure. just mindless things that kind of help me keep in emotion. So. Yeah. I, a lot of times it's just about breaking that. Cause when you get stuck, especially in a panic attack or a depressive episode, I have a history of mental illness as well. So I know what it's like to kind of be in that spot and there's just, it's like there's no way out. Right. To just have one thing to kind of snap you out of it, even if you're not feeling better, but just to flip that switch to say, okay, wait a minute. I know what's happening. This is just, I'm just panicked. I'm just depressed. You know, let me work through this. Sure. So. Yeah. And I mean, I'm so sorry about my cat. He will not. Stop oh, me. Uh, we can't. We have a, <laughs> we have a, we have a dog over here that barks. So don't worry about it. They're probably hear each oh other God. somehow. And they're talking to each other. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, so the Fun. the redirection side of that um, versus kind of like the grounding side of that, um, I mean that's super valuable, um, especially going through the the roller coaster of anxiety and depression. Um, and I I know that you see that firsthand, um, mm-hmm. probably day to day with with different uh, different people you work with. Um, and one thing that I have found is, um, the situational, uh, you know, anxiety and depression versus the clinical side of that, mm-hmm. it's a whole different ball game to work with. Very much so. Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, everyone wants the pill and we kind of explored that, um, when you and I had talked, but th- there is really no like magic pill to yeah it takes going through this process uh, and working with someone like yourself um Mm -hmm. to come to terms now with the stages of that um do you subscribe to you know what the popular stages that that we all know about of you know the anger denial through oh yeah for elizabeth kubler ross i'm i'm kind of glad you brought that up (laughs) there we go yeah, so there's a lot of misconceptions with so the the doctor who came up with this was Dr. Elizabeth Kubler Ross, and uh, it was way back in the I think late 60s, early 70s is when the book came out, um, and she was working with dying people, not necessarily people who are grieving, but okay. the dying and their processes of grief. And this, she even specifically kind of stated in the book that these are just feelings that come up; these are things that people go through, but they're not necessarily stages, and they're definitely not in order. You know, it's right, not a step-by-step right. process. So, but I mean, I do obviously believe those are all things we feel. We all feel angry. 
you know, you know, I think anger is a big one, right? Mm-hmm. We may not always go through like bargaining. Some of us may never hit acceptance, right? Um, but some do. So there's, and there's 30 other feelings you could go through that aren't listed in that, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like there's relief. I talk about relief a lot because a lot of people with relief feel guilt because if somebody around them has died, they might feel relief that they're gone. Sure. And then, Oh my God, how do I feel relieved? They're gone. That's awful. I'm a terrible human being. Right. And yeah, that makes so you much go through sense. All that guilt. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm glad you said that too, because personally, I remember being in, um, you know, group, group therapy kind of situation just for context and looking up at a whiteboard. Um, and you know, it was, it was listed in, in this order. And I remember they're going around the room and it got to me and it was like, where do you think you are? And I was like, all of them <laughs> at, the, yeah. same at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And that's a perfectly valid response because you can feel more than one feeling at a time. Absolutely. Yeah. It gets, <laughs> you know? it gets, uh, it gets messy. It, it does. Emotions are messy. They are very rarely neat and they're never in quote unquote in order. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, I, I want to ask, uh, one more question, uh, before yeah. we get to a quick break, um, before long yeah. is just since we're talking about it right now, mm-hmm. how messy it can get, uh, how do you, stay from compartmentalizing or how do you separate your uh, kind of barrier because you are working with this all the mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah. and, um, if you're anything like me, uh, I can be a bit of an empath and then really take oh, stuff yeah. back. Um, so, oh, I'm, oh yeah, I'm very much an, an empathic person too. Um, well, First of all, and I, I get this question a lot. A lot of people ask me this question and it feels callous of me to say this, but at the end of the day, this person's not my mother. They're not my father. Mm-hmm. They're not my brother. I'm not saying I don't care about them. Obviously I wouldn't be there doing what I do if I didn't care, but it's, there's a bit of a separation because it's not, you know, my mom or somebody, you know, super close to me, sure. but, um, so that helps a little, but I also, I'm, I know I'm there to do a job and it's to be a support for the family. And I'm not going to be, <laughs> not going to be much help if I'm blubbering like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say I don't leave that person at the end of the day, go home and cry in my car for a little bit. Cause sometimes I do, Absolutely, you know, yeah. uh, but that's just it. I'll go sit in my car. I'll cry for a little bit, listen to some sad music, turn on a podcast, go home and work through it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. It does, you know, if I were to have like five clients at once, which I've never had and never will have, because that's too much. Mm-hmm. That prop that would be too much. I don't think I know myself to know I couldn't emotionally handle dealing with five dying people at one time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's like, rough. I'm self aware enough to know that that would be a bad idea. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I give myself time. I give myself grace. You know, I'm. I had a client last year who passed away, and she was like five years older than me. And that was kind of a kick in my face. It's like any of us, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. This mm-hmm. could happen. To, and I've, I've lost people close to me that are younger than me Certainly. from cancer and, yeah. and other things. And it's like, it's hard, right. but, and it, I'm not going to say it gets easier the more you deal with it, but you learn your ways because everybody's different. Everybody has their own way of processing their losses and death. And every loss is going to be different. You know, mm-hmm. let's the, take- the loss. I'm sorry. The loss of like, oh, it's okay. I would just say like, I lost my cat last, a couple of years ago oh, and I, I processed that grief way differently than my brother who passed away. 
Yeah. You know? comes in different colors and shapes and sizes all the time. Absolutely. 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 Let's take a break. Yeah. When we come back, I want to get back yeah. more into, you know, your clientele and just how you deal with that emotionally. I really think that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back with Nikki the Death Doula. Nikki, I Hello. Uh, <laughs> thanks again for for doing this. Um, you know, I'd say out of all the guests we've had, uh, definitely the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's something that um, you know we mentioned when we when we came into the episode. Um, death is something that a lot of people really shy away from talking about. Yeah. And just like other things, it's kind of this mm-hmm. like, let's put it in a corner and leave it there and not really think about it. Yep. Um, Big pet peeve of mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and there's something that you say at the end of every episode to the effect of, um, you, you, you know, your grief uh, doesn't have to suck. Yeah. And I love that so much. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and grief is, grief is a gift. You know, it doesn't have to be bad. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, with a tagline like that, um, I'm just curious as far as acquiring, you know, because you you are running a a business as well. Um, So Mm -hmm. um, you would be, you know, Mother Teresa if you weren't, uh, (laughs) you know, making a little bit (laughs) of this. Um, Uh, Yeah. Exactly. So, um, as far, I mean, cause I, and I'm weird because I'm also like the business side of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm in, I'm in, uh, an industry where, you know, marketing is a part of that. Yeah. And referrals yeah. and referrals. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within your business, like mm-hmm. it's tough to go on LinkedIn, you know, maybe would be the, the better of the platforms, but like posting about this, like I mm-hmm. don't think a lot of people are jumping at it <laughs> on like yeah. social media or something. Uh, right, and I could right. be totally wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So you walk like this fine line with what you do. You do it well uh, based on, you know, talking to you. And also, mm-hmm. you know, we found each other through a social media platform to begin with. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, I think that's awesome. It's not like this tucked away thing that you only work with, you know, is certain, you know, demographic or within family to family. Um, but yeah. how do you acquire, you know, your, your clients? Yeah. Well, first of all, just to put this out, if I could do all this for free, I would love to, but I do have a house and right. I like to eat right. food and, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. pay bills. Um, it would be wonderful if this is something I could bill back to Medicaid or Medicare, you know, mm-hmm. that's not, not an option right, right now, but, um, as far as finding clients, so I've been at this for about two and a half years or so, but I've been a loud mouth about death and dying for, since I was, you know, a high school age. Like, oh, wow. I've just been one of those people that's never been shy about talking about, it. I'm like, well, we're going to die. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's dig <laughs> what's in. What's the big secret? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never understood people like, ew, gross. I don't want to talk about that. It's like, why? Right. We're going to go through it at some point. But um, so 
so I've, you know, I've always been kind of a loud mouth about it. Now that I'm actually doing it, I've had a huge amount of support from all my friends and family. They're like, well, yeah, of course you're going to do this. It makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, I also, so I, you know, I'm all over social media, the website, I am on several directories online. So the place where I got my training through is called, uh, the international end of life doula association, also known as Enelda. Okay. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, all their grads have, um, they have a directory, so you can go on there. You, if you just Google search death doula, that's like, that's one of the top websites that'll come up. And, uh, you go into their little directory, put in your city, state, country, whatever, and you can find a doula close to you. Um, I've had people find me through there. Um, some people just Google search death doula Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I post on, there's a lot of like networking groups I go to and, um, local like small business organizations that I've posted stuff all over on Facebook and LinkedIn and everywhere else I can. So a lot of people found me through there, but most, most of my clients have either been word of mouth or like friend of a friend of a friend. Somebody's like, Oh, I know this lady I went to high school with. She's a death doula. So yeah, no, that referral is the best compliment. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I don't know if you knew we, we were the number two podcast in Tunisia at one point. Uh, well, <laughs> holy crap, you guys! Yeah, yeah. comedy number one comedy. Number, yeah, yeah, number uh, two. That's comedy. amazing. So, that's actually really cool. <laughs> so why I mentioned that is our our listener base is far and wide. Let's say somebody in Jersey, somebody in California, somebody in the Philippines that's listening right now. Um, is mm-hmm. that something that's accessible that you would work remotely with people, or is it kind of an in person thing? Absolutely. I, I can do a lot remotely, actually. Um, awesome. And it depends on like there's, you know, I haven't even touched on everything I can do with my clients yet. But yeah. um, there's a lot there's there's a lot I can do. And one of them would be like physically sitting with somebody as they're dying just so they have somebody with them if they don't have family um, or if their family needs a break. Because watching somebody die for days on end is, is hard. Absolutely. Um, so just being a physical presence. But I can do so much consulting work and I can do all sorts of grief support uh, virtually over Zoom, phone calls, you know, things like that. So, there you go. What, I, what yeah. I would like to know, um, you were, you, so you talked about how you get clients, but um, how, when does that relationship end? And I know that sounds bad because I'm sure for a lot of people it doesn't end with you or, you know, they would call you and you, that kind of thing. But like, what does that process look like? Is, is, there, is there an end to a relationship with a doula? Is it, you know, how does that yeah. work? Well, and it depends on what the client, like who hired me sure. and, you know, what the family dynamic is and what they need. If it's like the daughter of the dying person that hired me, she might be hiring me because she can't do everything on her own. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm working with her mom, so to speak, too, and helping her mom out a lot. But I'm also helping her. She might hold on to me for a few months afterwards just to help her process the grief. Yeah. Um, I've helped people plan funerals before. Um Education is a huge part of what I do is help, you know, educating people so that they can make informed decisions for Mm -hmm. what's best for them. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, all the options you have as far as funerals and afterlife care. So um, educating with that, helping plan that. But like I said, I can also provide a lot of bereavement support after the fact for the family. And and I I just so happened to have seen a, a video clip, a reel you posted I think recently um, something changed in the 
funeral home world recently. Oh, is that right? Yeah. What is that? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> Not yet, but um, I'm hoping it will. So um, oh, okay. maybe by the, I don't know when this will air, but we'll see. Um, so currently there's only one FTC regulation for the entire funeral, funeral industry. Okay. And that is that if you ask them, they are required to give you a price list of their services, what they offer and what the costs are. Um, but that's it. That's the, that's the entire regulation. So most funeral homes, and I have very strong feelings about the funeral industry that sure. I am not good at hiding. Um, not all, I, I won't generalize, but most funeral homes will make you come in and meet with them and give you a whole sales spiel, yeah. put you on the spot, make you feel like crap and insist that you need the Mercedes of all coffins mm-hmm. <laughs> for mom. Yeah. And, um, and that's when they give you the price list. It's yeah. after they've sold you everything yeah. or told you everything you quote unquote have to have. Um, <clears throat> but so September 7th, which is may have already happened by the time this airs. I don't know. <laughs> the FTC is uh, going to start revising the funeral rule and they fingers crossed what they're trying to do is put in a stipulation that they are required to give you price lists electronically. So you don't have to go in in person. That's yeah. great. That's yeah. really yeah. great. And there's a reason. And I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, fingers yeah. crossed we can start, like, that's just, like, the first step into, you know, not allowing them to tell you you have to have a vault or you have to have this coffin or you right. have to be embalmed because none of that is true. There's no there's no federal or state laws that require any of that. It can be stressful, too, taking time out of your day when you're trying to grieve or trying to, you know, do other exactly. th- be with the loved one that you're, you know, that's passing away. And having yeah. to take this, you know, hour, whatever for a, a sales meeting like that. Yeah. That sounds yeah. really well, shitty. I, I, I worked with a guy um, and this was not recent, but this was probably, <laughs> gosh, this would have been close to seven years ago now. Um, I was in a, I was in a sales training meeting um, at, at a corporate level and there was a gentleman there and that's, um, that's what he did. Um for a living and he ah. was so excited to get out of that industry for yeah. obvious reasons. But I, I, when I saw you, um, on that reel, the first thing I thought of was him. Um, yeah. because I was like, okay, on the other side of this is a guy trying to put bread on sure. his family's table. And the way he makes mm-hmm. money is, and I hate to say it because it sounds cruel, but it's like you're in sales closing a deal. Yeah. But yeah. You're, but you're yeah. doing it with a family member who it's it's so such a messy thing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm so glad that hopefully some of this starts to change because I mean the prize transparency might not seem like a big deal. I think it is based on, it's a huge deal. Based on the the tactics that are. Yeah. There's so many people out there that will use your grief against you. And I, I'm not going to say all funeral homes do this because I've been to some that are very nice, lovely family owned businesses that Mm -hmm. will be honest and they'll work with you. Um, But there's so many be like, well, don't you think mom deserves the best? type uh, of situation it's like don't gosh. don't oh i just have such angry feelings. yeah it's like yeah. let There's, me ask her real quick yeah. oh wait i can't so it's like it doesn't matter yeah right yeah oh i i just i can't stand crap like that so um any changes we can make to start regulating them but i and i don't want to get all like 
tinfoil hat on us here, but I feel like there's a lot of Congress people that have their hands in the pockets of the sure, funeral industry and absolutely. vice versa. You know, it's like the seatbelt laws. Like, obviously, I think they're important. Everybody should wear a seatbelt. But if that's a regulation, insurance can charge people. You know, it's it's everybody's got their hands in other people's pockets. Sure. Oh, and, 100 one hundred percent. I think if I went and, where I want to go with this, uh, we'll get censored too hard. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can, a, we can kibosh that conversation. <laughs> well, uh, I, I mean, I I would say though, like, so we cover conspiracy theories on the show sometimes, um, and there's a difference between reality and a conspiracy, and yeah. everything yeah. that we're talking about is real like it's crazy if you i i went down a rabbit hole recently looking at some of this stuff since you and i had last spoken and it is like wild to me all yeah. of the all the layers i never even thought about or knew about i just read an article today and i, I don't have it in front of me so i can't cite it specifically but there's a woman in indiana who is helping families um, to plan alternative funerals, like, you know, doing it because you can do home funerals. This stuff's totally normal. It's okay. You're allowed to do it. Yeah. And she's trying to teach people like, here's how you can do a funeral at home. Here are your alternatives to a normal, like embalming funeral casket burial situation. And the attorney general is trying to get her, um, shut down. Wow. Telling her she needs to have a license and she, she needs to be a licensed funeral director wow. to give any advice on this, which is, as we all know, it's bullshit. bullshit. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not need a license. Like, and that's, that's a bit of a fear I have. Cause I would definitely advise people on, you know, you have options. Most people go with a traditional funeral and that's fine. I have no issue. You know, I, I respect what people want. You have other options. Sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, that could get me in trouble one day. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, we'll just, you know, you know, what got me down the rabbit hole was, um, you asked a question, you, you do this at the end of your show. Um, you pulled a card out of the deck, I believe. Um, the death deck, yeah. There you go, yeah. And I mean, the question caught me way off guard because I didn't know that so many different forms after death existed with what we do with our, you know, our body. And oh yeah, oh my gosh, there's yeah, because yeah, the question I asked you was about uh, donating to a body farm, right? Right. Isn't that and I was yeah. I was open to the idea. Yeah. 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 You want to elaborate a little bit more? I, I did watch some of your videos, but uh, I want to hear more about that. About body farms? Yeah. Oh, they're so they're so cool. One of my friends uh, updated her will several years ago. That's what she's doing, and I'm <laughs> I'm I'm excited, but um, for her, uh, a body farm. There's there's the main one is in Tennessee. I forget exactly which city it is outside the city, but. Um, there's a couple other ones around the U.S., but it is where you can donate your body and they will just lay it out in different conditions um, so that they can study uh, decomposition or forensic science, basically. Okay. So, like, they'll have and they put cages around the body so the critters don't come and eat them, but they'll put a body like in a moist environment under an oak tree or a moist oh. environment under fern, you know, around ferns or near a river or up on a mountain where in an arid environment out in the sun. That's interesting. So that they can study what happens with the decomposition, take extensive notes so that when, you know, somebody finds a body, they can, they, that's how we know like Lewis body's been there for three weeks because it has this type of mold spore growing on the toenails. Gotcha. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just a lot yeah. of data there. I didn't, that's interesting. Yeah. That's really And cool. I mean, I never would have thought of that. Like when you watch CSI and they're like, Oh, well, 
this body has this spore growing out of it. So clearly it was yeah. in this environment. And it's like, how the hell did they know yeah, that? Yeah, they're that's, that's how they knew too it. <laughs> and all this stuff. Yeah. Stunning. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, w- I wanted to kind of switch gears just a second. Yeah. Um, uh, I wanted to hear, so obviously, you know, with your clientele and everything, they mm-hmm. um, pass on, but they, you speak with them and you kind of guide them through it. Um, has they have has there been a client or probably multiple clients or maybe even all of them that have sh- shifted how you feel about death or how you feel about the whole process itself? I mean, in a way, all of them have, and just like collectively, they've all kind of shaped how I view death. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still scared of dying. We all are. That's, sure. that's no secret. But um, I'm less scared now that I've seen it multiple times. Mm. And, um, I, I am now much more able to see the beauty in dying and the end of life. Yes, it's gross. It's icky. Bad things happen. And it's not always pleasant, but there, there's still a beauty to it. Like you could say the same thing about childbirth. Childbirth is disgusting. Right. <laughs> Amen. Right? Yeah. It's gross. Like icky things happen and there's blood and fluids and then a screaming child. And, but it's beautiful at the same time. Right. right? Yeah. So very similar with, with death. It's, it's a, in my opinion, it's a transition and any part I can play to kind of help somebody through that transition is, is beautiful for me. It's an honor. I feel honored that people would allow me in such an intimate space. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just wanted to know because, um, you know, I think once when I have been with people, I mean, I haven't ever been in the room with someone who's passed away, but when I, when someone who I have known has passed away, it has definitely altered the way I see it and view it. Mm-hmm. And so I was just yeah. wondering, you know, seeing it close up and with strangers where you're not necessarily emotionally attached, but you are in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, they're, oh, absolutely. They're, yeah. they're still going to be something that you you attach yourself to, but, uh, absolutely. it definitely changes my view on life and on death. And so I just, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I mean, obviously when you go through school and you, you learn the different processes, like you, that probably was the scope of a lot of the things that you, how you feel about death. But I was just yeah. wondering if out in the field, if you're like, wow, like seeing this in person, seeing this, like, you know, here, it has changed how yeah. I feel about that. So. I mean, yes, but no, like I said, it's, it's, it's definitely different for me having seen it firsthand. Cause you can read about it. You can learn about it. You can mm-hmm. hear about it all day long and it's nothing like, movies, you yeah. know, <laughs> Yeah. it's never like the movies. You don't have that beautiful goodbye. Say, sigh a deep sigh, close your eyes. And that's it. It's, it's almost never like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's very different, but, um, but overall, like, no, I still, I've, you know, I've always viewed death as something that's a, a beautiful transition into what I don't know, but. I, I want to yeah. ask is cause, um, I've been around a lot of death. Um, mm-hmm. probably not. I don't know. I don't know. I hate to even compare the, you know, the numbers. Um, but like if people ask me, I'm like, um, a lot of times I say like, I just stopped counting. Um, mm-hmm. because yeah, in a way I did, but, um, also like I, I, I have a good idea of the number at the same time, if that makes sense. Right. Like, yeah. like no one is, is like unforgettable to me. Um, mm-hmm. as many as there have been, and it like in certain settings, if I like depending on who I'm talking to, I talk about it differently, and I think that's yeah, that's got to be normal, right? But the oh, yeah, the 
thing is, is like I got used to it. And I don't know if that's the right way to, you know, phrase that. Um, yeah. But, you know, I was talking to somebody recently and I was saying out of like, you know, certain friend groups, certain circles, like I have become somebody that other people would turn to when people pass yeah. away within our friend yeah. groups. But mm-hmm. um, I was like, it doesn't make me strong. Everyone's like, you're so strong. And I'm like, mm. I don't think that I'm any stronger than the next person. I just think yeah. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt so many times. Yeah. Is yeah. that kind Absolutely. of, you know, in line? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I hear that a lot too. Like, oh, you must be so strong or, you know, I can't believe you can watch that day after day. And it's not like I see somebody die every single day. Right. You know, it's yeah. not how that goes, but um, I, 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 and I, you know, I appreciate the sentiment, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm any stronger than the next person. I mean, what about their family that, that mm-hmm. witnessed it? Am I stronger yeah. than them somehow just because right. I've seen 10 of these versus their one? Like, no, we're, we can all handle it. Yeah. You know, we can all handle it in our own way. Some of it's harder and some of for some people it's easier, but we all, we all get through it. Right. In the end, we all get through a death. Would you, uh, this is just kind of, I just thought of it. I mean, the, the grief aspect of it, if someone was to pass away in your family, do you think you could, you had it or you think you might want to, you know, hire another Nikki? Oh, <laughs> Yes, actually, I've told my husband, there's a, another death doula here in Columbus that I work with a bit, and I'm like, if I'm ever diagnosed, I want her to work with me. So. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah, she, and she knows. I've told her, I'm like, you're going to be my doula. <laughs> that's really sweet. That's yeah, awesome. Absolutely. I absolutely would hire a doula for myself. Yeah, I'm. I you know, and honestly, uh, that's something, like we said, you, you don't necessarily think about death. Um, and mm-hmm. so now having this conversation with you, that is something that I would, I mean, it's kind of like the answer to my prayers of that, you know, those last few months, if, if I'm honestly lucky enough to, I don't know if I would say lucky, but to know that it was coming up and be able to prepare for it, you know, yeah. it's, you don't always want it to be just suddenly, but th- right. this conversation has definitely helped me like realize, okay, you need obviously have your things in a, in a line, but for you, yeah. to, for you to be able to process with it and for others that. Excuse me. Yeah. To be able to process it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and I always encourage people. I don't care if you're only 19 years old. Get your advanced directive paperwork together. Get a living will above all else. Especially even if you're young and healthy, you could walk out and get hit by a bus tomorrow, and you're in a coma. Who's going to make decisions for you if you can't make decisions for yourself? Right. Right. Like get that get that shit done. <laughs> get it done now. And if you have kids and a house, oh my god, it's even more important. Mm-hmm, Got to get all that paperwork together. So that, you know what, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm already, I've, you know, made plans. I have a final will. I know what I want done with my remains and I know what I want to happen as best I can. Obviously things don't always go to plan, but you know, I'm only 45, but I have all that stuff decided. So why not? Yeah. Those are the big parts too, honestly. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, I, I, I hesitate to say it, but it's like, especially like even more so it's less of, um, you know, stuff that family members have to worry about, you know, God forbid something did happen is you did all the footwork. Um, so Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's definitely huge. Yeah. And that was kind of an eye opener for my parents too. I kept bugging them. I'm like, would you guys just get your damn paperwork together for me? (laughs) And my brother passed away unexpectedly in 2015 Mm. and he, you know, obviously he didn't know he was going to die. So he didn't have anything put together. So 
what few possessions he had went into probate and like it was it was a mess it was a yeah. bit of a mess for a while we got it obviously it got cleared up but um you know if he had to just have that stuff put together it would have made things a lot easier for right. us and it would have been made your grieving a lot easier as well honestly yeah. um that's where i'm yes. asking oh about. my god and yeah clean up your physical possessions like you have no idea what it's like to go through a dead person's apartment it's yeah <laughs> Um, you will learn things about that person you didn't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you've got that secret thing, yeah. have a friend that knows it's there to go get it and take it away before your family comes over to clean out the house. I, uh, yeah, guys, clear your browser history right now. <laughs> I, had to, I had to help. Yeah. Help a, yeah, I had a situation in uh, West Hollywood years ago, and um, I was with uh, the person's mother in their house. Mm. Oh. going through helping pack stuff and yeah um that can be rough it got uh yeah there were some secrets that nobody knew about oh, no. floating around yeah. and when you discover i mean yeah i i totally i totally checks out what you're saying yeah um, because like just, just think about it do you want your mom finding your dildo collection exactly like, <laughs> yeah it was in line with what she that. might get it in the will i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, I bequeath to my mother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'll never. I, it, it, it scarred me just as bad as as, as his mother, I'm sure, because Oof. I had to see her reaction. To, I was just like, oh gosh. Um, and, and you know, it's one of those things where it's like nobody, nobody would have known yeah. uh, the difference. Right. So, so like, yeah, it's like all the layers uh, within our everyday day to day. Um, yeah. that you might not think about, um, yeah. and, and at least like, you know, having that phone of friends set up or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, and that's another reason to have somebody like me, you know, if, if it's, if it's known, you know, if your, your, your demise is imminent and you know, it's coming to have somebody like me on hand so that, you know, like, Hey, I've got this thing and I don't want my family to see it. It's, you know, when I die, can you just get rid of that? Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, like another big reason why I got into this line of work is, there's a lot of stigma with the LGBTQ plus community, right? Mm, Especially yeah. transgender folks who, um, you know, they pass away and their parents, you know, put their dead name on their gravestone oh, yeah. and dress them in the wrong gender clothing. And like to have somebody to protect that for them. Sure. That's so that great. They're respected even after they're gone. Like that's huge. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Is that something oh, we're, we do have to take a break, but I do want to get into that. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. So we'll be right let's take back. Take a break. And then, yeah, let's jump right back into that. Sounds good. All right, we're back with Nikki the Death Doula, and uh, I I want to jump right back in. We had to take a quick break, um, but yeah. kind of getting into um, you were talking about protecting the rights uh, of yeah. folks after they're gone, um, mm -hmm. and and Kellen, I know you were you were pretty interested in asking a couple questions there. Yeah, I w first of all, you know, we talked a little bit more about their privacy protecting the privacy mm -hmm. in a sense. Yeah. Um, and then, you, you know, you, you spoke on uh, trans and, you know, uh, yeah. protecting their rights, you know. Yeah. I was just wondering yeah. what that, does that a conversation you have with them or is that just, you know, I mean, obviously some in some cases that's going to just have to be natural, but walk us yeah. through the kind of process of, of times that like, you know, okay, I'm trying to uh, protect this person or I'm trying to protect their privacy. Yeah. So, and it, it obviously it's going to depend on the situation, mm -hmm. but, um, if there's a, 
if there's a situation, and I haven't, I haven't personally faced this yet, but I have met other doulas who have, where I have a client who is transgender and they're estranged from their family and they're sick and they pass away and their family comes in and they're like, well, we're next of kin. And they dead name that person, put up a headstone with their dead name and uh, dress them in the wrong gender clothing for the funeral and basically just disrespect the hell out of them. Right. Um, right. And that, I can't tell you how much that pisses me yeah. off, but you know, so if I'm working with that person, I can, you know, do everything I can to, if their death is known, if they know it's coming, um, let's get this done now. Let's make sure your final will is filled out in, mm-hmm. the, in the name you, you have, and let's make sure we've already bought a headstone with the name you want on it, you know, get everything in writing, hire an attorney if you have to yeah, and get all, just, you know, get that done as best you can. And then it'll be up to me to have that paperwork and say, I'm sorry, this is legally bound. This is what they want. This is what they're doing. And I mean, sure, the family could say, F you were going to court. Sure. You know, at that point, I don't know. It's going to be a bit out of my hands. I'm going to have to have an attorney take over. But if, if I would hope that if all the legal paperwork is there and it's done, there won't be much the family can do. Yeah. It's really going to depend on the judge, the attorneys, and how that goes down. So that's crazy that, you know, I just, I'm just figuring out how you can put somebody through that, that you, you know, as you yeah. loved one of yours, even if it's estranged. And yeah. just later on, after they've passed away, like make it about yourself again, which I, I mean, I understand yeah. there's grief there. And, yeah. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of emotions that are happening. You know, there might be absolutely there might be and a, a million different reasons why they decide to do something like that. I would that. take a guess right. and say regret can overcome mm-hmm. somebody into anger. Like right. they wish they would have, you know, what accepted a long time ago and yeah. spent that time yeah. to. Yeah, and obviously, you know, a lot of times if they are strange, it's because. Uh, because mm-hmm. they transitioned and so yeah. when the family, you know, is there to bury them mentally, they, they want to have them when, you know, when they were not estranged, if that makes sense. Um, yes, exactly. And, and that's where, you know, on my end, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there needs to be a little bit of grace, right? Yeah. Because I, I want to respect the person that hired me and I want to give them what they have asked me for, but I also have to respect the, the family, you know, to a degree. I'm like, if there's a, if there's a, you know, a dispute there, I'm going to have to go with my client, sure. but also understand why they're, why they're doing this. Like you said, if they've been estranged, they may have had not had a time to process their own grief, of not just the loss, yeah. but I've heard, you know, if, if you have a daughter and they come to you when they're 18, they're like, I'm now, you know, male, I want you to call me this male name and I'm your son. Yeah. There's there's absolutely going to be a grief there. I've just lost my daughter, but I now have a son and it's up to that person of how they're going to sure, to move on. You from know? That. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I- yeah, so there's a, I had, there's a bit of respect there too. And if they've just like, F you get out of my life, they never had time to really learn and accept and know their, their child as you know, their, their gender. Yeah. Or they haven't been able to have that conversation with their child and exactly. be able to, yeah, come, exactly. come to terms with the whole thing. And on the other side of that, like I personally have been witness to circumstances where tragedy strikes and then it can bring people together and they realize like, Hey, I've got three to six months to make up for about 20 years. And Mm -hmm. it is, I mean, yes, you see it in the movies, but like you mentioned earlier, nothing is like the movies. Um, (laughs) No, no. I mean, so I was living with someone um, 
and I won't get into all the details, but kind of in line with what we're talking about, um, it wasn't with gender or um, anything, but it was some pretty big life stuff that mm-hmm. was um, totally not okay in the eyes of the other family members. Gotcha. Okay. And then when they were really, really sick and um, things weren't looking good, um, mm-hmm. it was like this big um, reunion of family that came back together, um, mm-hmm. realizing like, hey, we've got to set some things aside sure. right now. And yeah. so yeah, have you exactly. had any any moments like that, um, and, you know, where – because um, yeah. that's beautiful to me. Yeah, I, I mean, kind of. Um, I had a client a while back who, um, and also just there are things you might think you want now when you're dying, and you you will very likely change your mind when the time comes. Yeah, that's okay. So that's you know I can help go with the flow with that. But um, I had a client who was estranged from her adult children and didn't want them anywhere near her. She didn't want them in the room. She didn't want them at any part of her dying process. And I said, okay, if that's what you want, I will make sure that they are not present. And as the time got closer, you know, her daughter wanted to see her. And I was like, mm-hmm. are you open to just seeing your daughter? And mm-hmm. she said, okay, fine. And, you know, they didn't have a tearful, happy reunion, but they were at least able to have a civil conversation. Sure. Yeah. And, um, and same with her son. He came at a different time and she even went to his house for most of her final days. She was wow. in his home. Yeah. And again, it wasn't like a tearful, oh, I'm so sorry, everything's great now. But they were at least able to get along to the point that she was grateful to have them back. And I told, you know, her kids, too. I'm like, this is it, man. Mom's, mom's not going to be around much longer. Yeah. So I don't know all the full, and I didn't, still don't know this day, the full details of why they didn't have a relationship. It's none of my business. Right. But I'm like, just so you guys know, like, this is it. Once she's gone, she's gone. You're not going to have another opportunity. Yeah. So, and, and I think they, I think they may have taken that to heart a little bit. So that's great though. I mean, yeah. that's the, that's the type of closure that you want. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't have that four months later down the road, five months down the road, yep. you know, it's, it's now or never kind of a thing. And you, you nailed it right on the head. Um, I do want, we, I do want to talk about a little bit. You, you mentioned your brother a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, that he passed away in 2015. First of all, we're sorry about mm-hmm. that. It's always hard. Um, Thank you. But uh, I wanted to say, you know, the timeline-wise, it seemed like it was, you know, pretty close after about five years after or so. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you, you, grieving never stops. But I'm wondering no. if that was part of the reason why maybe that, that you ended up in the industry that you're in or if that's, you know, if you took some lessons from that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was definitely a big part of it. Like, um, i I felt like I really kind of had to show up for my family, um, Mm -hmm. for my parents specifically, because they just lost their son. Um, And I wasn't there like doing all the legwork. Obviously, we did that as a family, but Uh just kind of being that person. And I still to this day, I'm kind of that person that my my mom feels like she can't really talk to people about it. She doesn't like to talk about it. And she talks to me about it. And I'm perfectly happy to help her, you know, with her with her grief. But um, yeah, it definitely had a huge, I mean, you know, I like I said, I've, I felt passionate about this in some way or another my whole life. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, but as this happened, I was like, that was just another one of those things I looked back on when I was deciding to do this. And I was like, that was, yeah, it was absolutely one of those moments that made me realize I'm absolutely doing what I need to be doing. I, you, you mentioned it earlier too, about like, you know, sometimes 
grief can happen in different ways. And, you know, your cat, yeah. uh, cat for, for a reason, you know, hit you a little bit harder yeah. than it did your brother. But I would yeah. say just from an outside uh, view, you know, you being there for your family and you doing what you you do now for your family mm-hmm. is what might have, I wouldn't say softened the blow, but it might have, you know, helped you with that griefing process yeah. in yeah. its own where, yeah. where it wasn't just like, Hey, I'm on my own here. It's, Hey, I'm, I'm also helping my family. Does that, yeah. you know, so I, I, absolutely. that's great. I really, yeah. you know, go ahead. I feel like almost every death doula I've met is doing this because they've, there a lot of death doulas have been hospice nurses. They're oh, like, yeah. well, I've been doing this already. <laughs> you know, let's yeah. work on this aspect of it. Um, and, uh, but a lot of, a lot of people have gotten into it. It's like, well, I, I was with my mom when she died and it was, you know, like such a powerful thing. And the hospice people were so great. I wanted to help more. And, yeah. you know, yeah, that's what absolutely. You, Plus, like, yeah. I, I do bereavement support too. I'm a grief coach. And, uh, I feel like I really got going on that after finally coming to grips with the, cause I didn't deal with my grief for my brother for a long time because I was so busy supporting my family. Yeah. And the same year my brother died, my husband's mom died unexpectedly. Oh, so, yeah, so I was trying to support him, support my family. And I never really kind of dealt with my own grief. And yeah. it hit me like five years later, four years later. And it was bad. It was real bad when it hit me. Mm. And I, I sought out grief counseling and talked to different grief specialists. And like learning more about grief helped me so much that I was like, I need to help other people with what I've learned. So. Yeah, no, that's, to me, that's one of the greatest gifts uh, and powerful um, to, you know, really kind of give back in that sense of, yeah. of kind of your own personal mission, but also the reach that you have with that. Um, mm-hmm. I It's, it's, I think it shapes a lot of, a lot of people, um, in different ways that things they end up doing later on. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a driving force kind of, um, for example, one of my closest friends who passed, um, his mom is, is, you know, she's an author, but the direction of her work completely changed. Um, and she put together a, a book actually, um, kind of a memoir of, of her son, um, and all these poems. Um, and she put it out and I tell you is like, it's the, it's the things that would have never existed on this earth if it wasn't for that loss. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, I thought I would just, just say that is, is no, I, um, I, I've done a, a, like a, couple speaking engagements where I've talked about that exact phenomenon where loss and, and death can be a gift. Absolutely. And I'm not necessarily saying like, Oh, great, good thing they're dead. Cause now I've got this thing. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. when I was uh, back in, I think it was 2013. I, one of my coworkers had a massive heart attack on vacation and he was very young. He was in his thirties. Uh, he had an undiagnosed heart condition and it shook everybody at the office, obviously yeah. his family too. But um, everybody at the office was just like, so stunned by this and having conversations with people months down the line, I had one coworker who told me one day he and his wife had been talking about it for years, but after this guy died, they like, they bought land in Costa Rica because they wanted to build a house down there. They're like, this is it. We don't know if we're, and we could die at any moment, you know? And yeah. When you, when you have that realization in your face, like 
we're not here forever. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. That's when it kind of shakes people to to do something big, do something bold. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. When uh, you know, I mean, just not to switch gears, but uh, Drake came yeah. up with a song called YOLO. You know, you only live once. Do you yeah. like that yeah. expression when people say, "Hey, you only live once," or is that something you're just like rolling your eyes at? <laughs> yeah, you roll your eyes. I feel eyes like at. it's a little overblown, exactly, but. Um, yeah. You know, but it's also like, and I think I had done a, a, a reel on my Instagram on this too, the, the whole concept of uh, live every day like it's your last day. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> actually sounds, one of the ones I, I saw that and I, yeah. I had some thoughts, but I, go ahead. Sounds neat, but I can't spend every single day traveling Europe. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah. I have a mortgage to pay, I have a life to live. Um, it's a nice thought. It's a great way to, you know, it's just a nice way of saying be grateful for your life and don't fuck around you know yeah. just be just don't try so hard and just enjoy where you are and and do what you can because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow i could walk out i you know nearly got hit by a car on a walk the other day like that that could happen yeah yeah nikki i'm so glad you dropped an f-bomb uh <laughs> oh <laughs> i love it um <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, I can I just, su- I swear like a trucker sometimes. So I, I, I do it's too. Okay with I, I love it because <laughs> the passion really comes out yeah. and I, I yeah. it gets me fired up inside. It really does. Um, so yeah. the, uh, I will say this and, and the expression, like, uh, like joking, uh, yeah. as much as it's funny, it's like, I have seen people, use that entirely wrong. I've done it myself. I've done it myself. Um, I'll tell you where I see it the most is in people who survived death. Yeah. Um, that all of a sudden the mentality comes on of, Mm -hmm. and I went through this for about nine months at one point in my life. It was this feeling of like, I'm not supposed to be here anyways. Oh, this is a bonus time yeah, yeah. house money and i am <laughs> gonna do whatever i want to do and yeah. it was like dangerous dangerous so i could really appreciate the video that, that i saw you post because um <laughs> like I, I, there's a lot of people out there surprisingly uh maybe not surprisingly that fall into that trap of like this period or phase in their life where they're going to live like it's their last day. It's called your 20s. Yeah, your 20s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, college for some. Yeah. yeah. And and then it's like, they you, then you hit a big wall and it's like, okay, now what? Um, yeah. So yeah. reality strikes uh, again. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about, because I know you do a lot of other work that we probably haven't even covered with and, yeah. uh, you know, the consultative approach to to grief and working with all different kinds of people um so i wanted to kind of open the floor up to you um as far as anything else we haven't covered yeah well so i I mentioned kind of briefly that i uh i'm a grief coach as well so i work with a lot of grieving um sometimes it's the family after the client i've had has passed away but i've had a lot of clients that are just totally separate from that Mm. um you know somebody who's lost their their first like significant loss a lot of times people are completely lost and confused when they've suffered their first significant death yeah um they don't they don't like i'm I'm going crazy i'm clearly going crazy all these feelings i'm having aren't normal um yes they are (laughs) whatever you're feeling is normal 
I guarantee you, uh, even if it feels wrong, it's not, we don't, there are no good and bad emotions. They're just emotions. Sure. Yeah. Um, so just kind of, I, you know, I can sit down with people and work with them over a period of, you know, however long they need to help work through their grief so that they can discover their new you're, Cause you're going to be a new person after a significant loss. Um, and it's up to you to kind of discover who this new person is. Um, whether you like it or not, you know, grief changes you for sure. Mm-hmm. So giving, giving them time and space and a safe space to talk about everything they're going through is huge. Um, yeah, so that's a big part of what I do. But one thing I didn't get to talk about briefly with my d- clients as a doula, my, my absolute favorite thing to do with my clients is life review. Um, if you have, you know, terminal diagnosis or you're dying, especially if the person is a bit younger, um, there's a feeling of what have I accomplished? Mm-hmm. I'm only X, Y, Z years old. Yeah. You know, I haven't done it. I didn't, I didn't do this. I never learned this. I never yeah. got to do this. Didn't what does my do life even mean? Yeah. So getting to spend time with them to really go through their entire life and say, let's think about what you have done. Let's write it down. Let's, and then at that point, if they want to make a gift for their family, like a scrapbook or some letters or a journal, you know, we can sit down and work on that together or if they want to keep it private, that's fine too. Yeah. Um, let's just make them. So I can't bear the thought of people dying alone and I can't bear the thought of people dying feeling like their life didn't mean anything. Mm. Yeah. And I think those are the two biggest yeah. concerns about death. I mean, yeah, you, the other, it's the, the Trinity. The other one would be what happens when we die or what happens after we die. But yeah. Yeah. The, that's, that's the biggest one. Yeah. Cause yeah, we, we don't know. We, right. I mean, we have, we can have beliefs and that's fine. Sure. Um, but no, uh, but we don't we don't exactly know. <laughs> but I but I struggle with those first two a lot. Um, you know, sure. be, uh, we're both in our early thirties. We're thirty two. Um, you know, what are we going to leave behind is a huge one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And you know, obviously, we're also we we both have significant others, but we're not married. Um, mm-hmm. That's another one for me. You know, I, I lived uh, an apartment for the first time, like I usually had roommates and stuff, but by myself and I was like, what would happen, you know, if I just had a heart attack, you know what I mean? Just yeah, that, that feeling. Sure. Um, sure, and so absolutely. for just for somebody who's struggling with that myself and just people that are listening, you, your advice is to, uh, you said, you know, write or to leave behind. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would, yeah, I would, if, if it was, you know, somebody your age, I'd be like, well, let's sit down. Like, I mean, you specifically, I know a lot about your, your history from interviewing, interviewing you on my show. Like you've accomplished, you've done a lot. You've been through a lot and, you know, I'm sure you have your, your things you're not proud of, but you've done so much you are proud of. Like, look at where you are right now. Look at your podcast. You know, you were number two and what was it? Tanzania? <laughs> yeah. Tunisia, baby. Come on. Tunisia. <laughs> yeah. How many people can say that? <laughs> yeah. But, sure. but seriously, like you do have something you're leaving behind, you know, you've got this podcast with your friend and you've got record recordings of your thoughts and your feelings so that those are there forever. I know we all have a fear of being forgotten and we all will be one day, Yeah, you know, like the when the last person who knows says our name dies is when you truly die. Yeah, right? Coco. Old, right. <laughs> so, you know, like you will be forgotten one day, but yeah. you, it'll take time and, and you know, that's okay. Yeah. How many, how many millions and billions and billions of people have existed? Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. I don't even know. There's actually, I think there's more people alive now than there's, don't quote me on this, okay? There's more people yeah. alive now than there have been dead. 
I think I've heard that too, and I'm not going to quote you, and I'm not going to quote myself either. But I yeah. feel like I've heard yeah. that too. Yeah, and I don't too. know how that math works out, but it's, right. it, it sounds very interesting to me. Uh, yeah, but we're also living in a different time. Like somebody that, like a, a peasant in the 1500s in you know old Africa. Like, yeah, I'm not going to know who that person was. I'm sure. not going to know their name. There's no pictures of them. There's no written record of them. They probably never wrote anything because they didn't know how to write. But like our generation, there's photos of us all over the internet. Yeah. Like some we don't want up there too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the three of us, we've got podcasts, you Mm -hmm. know, so we've got our voices are out there. As long as those exist on the internet somewhere, part of us still exists. Yeah. That's like one thing. um, And sorry, this is Tommy um, back on again. Um, The thing I love that about music, for example, recorded music is that mm-hmm. like it will always exist in some medium. Um, and yeah. I had a a drummer come into the studio one time on on a record, and I was I was paying him out for the day, just a day rate, and he looked at me after and. He was like thanking me excessively, and I was like, "Hey, yeah, no, is the amount good? Like, we could here." He was like, yeah, "Yeah, no. What I want you to understand is that by me playing on this on this recording, this is history I got to be a part of, and after we're gone, yeah. people will still hear this." Yeah, and I was exactly. like, "Wow, yeah. I never, yeah, I never thought about things that way." So, anyways, yeah. I just thought it was cool that like to have that mentality of leaving mm-hmm. behind something. Um, just yeah. some, some type of legacy of, of, yeah. of, of any sort that could look like anything. Yeah. Uh, speaking, yeah. And I, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that's, that's another thing I do with a family. Sometimes if they want to work together on a family project, be it like a video or a movie or, yeah. or like a box of letters that they can all just keep. Yeah. You know, that's, that's something beautiful. I can, I can help them give each other. You, uh, we were about out of time, but you mentioned your podcast. Uh, can yeah. you tell our listeners what the name of your podcast is? Absolutely. It's Good Grief with Nikki the Death Doula. And I saw you on TikTok as well. Uh, yeah. So it's N-I-K-K-I is how you spell Nikki. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. And it's Nikki. That's Nick- it for right now. Yeah. Nikki the Death Doula. Nikki Correct. the Death Doula. Yep. Perfect. There you go. Well, uh, Nikki, we we really do appreciate all your time and, and chatting with yeah. us today. Yeah, absolutely. And, Thank uh, you. We'll, 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 oh, thank you for having me. I, I can talk deaf and dying all day. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love it. We love it. Uh, definitely want to want to keep in touch um, and, yeah. and stay connected with you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, this has been the Post Hump Day podcast. Uh, I'm Kellen King. I'm Tommy DeSalt. We appreciate you, and we'll see you on the other side.